Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're looking this morning at His earthly Father. And just notice Jim Reeves wasn't able to be with us today, so pray for him. He's, he's not doing well. Glad Jerry could be here. Uh, we're looking at Christ's earthly father. Now, last week we looked at his earthly mother, and there's a little bit of difference. Mary is his mother, but he's the only baby that existed before conception. He existed in eternity past. He is God, fully God, and he became fully man in the incarnation. So Mary was his mother, but Joseph was his earthly father. Joseph was, Jesus was not the offspring of Joseph. He was the offspring of God the Father. And uh, God explained very clearly a miracle was going to take place. A child would be born such as no other child had ever been born. And he would be called the Son of God. But God chose a man to be the father of Christ on earth. We see Joseph in the life of Christ at the beginning, as we're going to read in just a moment. Uh, Later in John 4, 642, while Jesus was in his ministry, the people were offended at what Jesus was saying, that, that, um, you know, he was teaching them, and they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Uh, Jesus had come down from heaven in the incarnation, but they were looking at it from just earthly eyes. They weren't looking at it from spiritual eyes. And so Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. Some churches like to exalt Mary. God put both of them in a position. Um, In their culture, the father and the firstborn son had a special relationship. Normally, the firstborn son would take over the father's business. Joseph was a carpenter, a builder, and Jesus would have become a carpenter and a builder. And so in his young years, he would have been apprenticed to that job, even though Jesus did not uh, stay a carpenter. He became a preacher and our Savior. Uh, But that was in their culture. That's how they transferred the family line down through the eldest son. And Jesus and Joseph had a special relationship. Now, Joseph is never mentioned after Jesus begins his public ministry. Uh, Mary is, Joseph is not. And so people say, well, what happened to Joseph? We don't know. Maybe he was alive in Jesus' ministry and just not mentioned. Maybe he was, maybe he died young. Uh, Carpentry, building was hard labor. Maybe he died young. But one church has come up with the idea to venerate Mary. They said, Joseph was an old man. He was an old man with other children. And when Mary was expecting, he took her in just so she wouldn't have the embarrassment of having a child. And then Joseph died when Jesus was young. Now, the reason they do that is they want to say Mary was 
perpetually a virgin, that she still is the virgin queen mother of heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. Now, we build our faith on what the Bible teaches. So if you're in Matthew chapter 1, let's just look at what the Bible teaches. We're going to start in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, the Bible presents them as a young couple, already pledged to be married before the angel Gabriel announced to Mary in Luke chapter 1 that she would be having a child. And then here it says, before they'd come to, they were already in a committed relationship before this happened. Now, normal, the only way to understand the phrase that uh, before they came together means that they came together after. And look down at verse 25. Joseph did not know her or have physical intimacy with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph and Mary were intimate after Jesus was born, as normal married couples are. That was, that's what the Bible says. It says before and after. And also, look over in Matthew 13. The end of that chapter. Matthew 13. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 54. And when Jesus had come to his own country... He taught them in their synagogue, so they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Uh, they Normally, rabbis would quote from other rabbis they had learned from, and they knew Jesus hadn't gone to any of the rabbinical schools. So they say in verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James? Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. They got offended because they didn't understand where he got this wisdom, this insight, this knowledge. He was teaching the truth of God, and they wondered, where on earth, how could he say we need to change our lives? Why do we have to listen to what he says? Because he's just a carpenter. Now, we don't have the class system or caste system that some cultures do, but in their culture, if you were a carpenter, that's what you did, and carpenters didn't also teach, and Jesus taught, and he taught with authority, and they were offended by it. But they said, we know Joseph, his father, they assumed, and Mary, his mother, they were right. And we know Joseph and Mary's other kids. They had four sons together, and they had daughters who are not named in Scripture. The sons are. So uh, Mary did not remain a virgin. Joseph and she had several sons and daughters. And so they had at least two daughters because it says daughters, plural. So she had at least six kids with 
Joseph, and Jesus she had before that. Now look at verse 19, chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or secretly. So the first thing that we see is that God describes Joseph as a man who's in a committed marriage relationship. We talked about betrothal last week. It's more significant than engagement in our culture. Betrothal means you're already pledged in marriage, but you still live in separate houses for a year. Joseph lived with his folks. She lived with her folks. And after a year, then they would have a ceremony where Mary would then come and be with Joseph, and they would be husband and wife. During that year, the angel Gabriel showed up and spoke to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and said, you're going to have a child. And then Mary went away for three months. Where did she go? To Elizabeth's house. And she stayed there for three months and she came back. And now after that, sometime between the time she came back from Elizabeth and now uh, before Jesus is born, Joseph's trying to figure out what to do. At this point, it's quite obvious she's expecting a child. And they were betrothed. So what would Joseph naturally assume? She'd been unfaithful. Even knowing that, he's still caring about her. At the end of the year, they would have the ceremony, they would move in together, and now he's thinking, this can't happen. So God... In this passage of Scripture, Joseph is described four different ways. First of all, he's described as a just man. Joseph was a just man. Now, what do just men do? What's right? They do what's right. Just can also mean righteous. Righteous doesn't mean absolutely perfectly sinless, but it means you're trying to do what's right. So Joseph was a just man. Now, in their culture, a man who's betrothed finds out his wife's unfaithful, a just man would then deal with that and break off the betrothal. And so, as a just man, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. He's committed to doing the right thing. So, he's trying to figure out what the right thing is. So he is a just man, but we also see that Joseph was a thinker. Now, last week I made some comments that made some guys think, I think men can't think. Well, I think men can think. Men do have the amazing capacity to think on nothing on occasion. That they run tests, scans, probes on a guy's head. And sometimes when a wife says to her husband, what you thinking about? And he says nothing. That's exactly what he's thinking about. But if a guy asks his wife, what are you thinking about? She says nothing. It means nothing I want to talk about. Maybe it's just going round and round. But a guy can think on nothing for a time. A guy can be watching a football game or a sporting thing or something on TV or just staring out at the beauty and he's not just thinking about the grandeur of the heavens and the glories of the skies. He's just not 
thinking. But that doesn't mean that men don't think. Some of the greatest thinkers in the history of the world have been men. And the absolute best thinkers in the history of the world have been men and women who love God. Psalm 119 says, those who know and follow God know more than all their teachers if they know and follow the Lord. And so Joseph was a thinker because men and women are capable of deep thought, capable of transformative thought. And Joseph has a dilemma. The scripture gives high praise for thinkers especially thinkers who seek to discern the will of God. And that's where Joseph is. Being a just man, he could not ignore this apparent violation of their betrothal vows. He couldn't just ignore it. He couldn't pretend it didn't happen. Also, being a just man, he wanted to do what was best for Mary. This is not an old guy taking pity on a young woman. This was a couple who were in a committed betrothal relationship before the angel spoke to Mary, and now the angel speaks to Joseph. He is, he's trying to figure out what to do. He's thinking it through. He might have been pacing the floor. Do any of you pace? I don't pace. I walk around in circles. Uh, I don't like to pace back and forth because it reminds me of being in the Marine Corps. You had to pivot, and I, I, I don't do that anymore. But, but I walk around in circles sometimes. We had our Trek review party yesterday, and the kids had to go through a dozen verses that they'd memorized over the past quarter. And one of the girls was in here just walking around the room, reading her book and walking around the room. And I can't sit still and listen. I got in trouble in military kindergarten because I had to sit still and I can either sit still or listen, but I can't do both at the same time. So Kathy said I only became a preacher so I wouldn't have to sit still in church. Uh, uh, but but jo- Joseph's trying to figure this out. And if Joseph is like me, he's walking around. He maybe has gone outside for a walk. He's come back inside for a walk. He's thinking about this. He knows as a just man, he cannot ignore it. But he also knows as a man who cares about Mary, he can't take her to the synagogue, publicly expose her, expel her from the synagogue. He can't do that either. So he's trying to figure out what's the right thing to do because he's a just man and he's a thinker. Fortunately, Joseph also was a listener. In verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or secretly just to separate the relationship and not do it publicly in the synagogue. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, he fell asleep. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Have you ever thought about something for days? That's where Joseph is. It's not like he thought about it for 20 minutes, had a short nap, the angel pot. It's probably days. He's been thinking about this. He's been sleeping on it. 
Sometimes you go to bed, you sleep on it, you wake up in the morning, and you have the answer because your subconscious mind sifted through it in your sleep. Other times you wake up in the morning, you're more confused than you were when you went to bed. So he is asleep, and the angel speaks to him in a dream. Now, when the angel came to Zacharias, it was in person. When the angel came to Mary, it was in person. But the angel doesn't come in person when, he's, when Joseph's awake. He comes when Joseph's asleep. Now, I had a young lady in a church that I pastored before I came here. Uh, she came to me wanting me to interpret her dream. And she described her dream about the end times. And so I explained to her that's not what the Bible teaches. She and her parents were there. And I explained, well, here's what God's word says. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. That's gonna... And so the dream was just a bad dream. It doesn't mean anything. They said, but we want you to interpret the dream. I said, don't eat pizza late at night. It's just a bad dream. It's inconsistent with the word of God. So it's not a message from God. They wanted me to interpret the dream. And they got mad that I would not interpret the dream. So they went to another so-called church in town where they would interpret her dream. And then they shared her dream with the whole church and everybody got wildly excited. Folks, if somebody shares something new that's not part of this word, don't get excited. Get away from them. That's scary. We have the completed revelation of God's word. The Holy Spirit gives insights and instruction to us, but he does not give you a message for the world because we have the message for the world, the written word of God. And so that family strayed away from the truth of God's word because of a seven-year-old girl's dream. But God does work through dreams. Even today, in Muslim countries, there are hundreds and thousands of people who have dreams of Jesus. And so they go to find someone who can share with them the truth of Jesus, and they hear the truth and they get saved. But the dream prompted them to move in that direction. In their culture, in their community, they would never hear about Jesus. But the dream sends them to the Lord. God can still work through dreams, but always check your dreams against the Word of God. Make sure you're following the Word of God and not just a dream. I had a dream the other night that Benjamin and I were having a conversation with President Ronald Reagan. And he kept playing jokes and tricks on people and getting Benjamin and I in trouble. And I was telling him, President Reagan, and he's like, <laughs> what a weird dream is that? I've had worse. <laughs> Let me tell you, no, all right, I won't. Dreams can be meaningless. I, uh, I have seen pictures of President Reagan. I watched him on TV I voted for him when he ran for office, when that was my first opportunity to vote. I, but that was a weird, weird, weird dream. Although Megan and I both have weird dreams, and Kathy doesn't like to hear about them for some reason. <laughs> but Joseph had a dream that was a good dream. It was a dream that spoke to the dilemma that he had in his heart and life. He wanted to help Mary but he wanted to be righteous. He wanted to do the right thing, but not hurt Mary. Help Mary do the right thing. How does he do it? Does he balance it? Does he split it down the middle? Does he, you know, where does it, 
Where does it break out? He's trying to figure that out. And this angel gives him insight from God of what to do. So, back in verse 20, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now the all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, in, which is interpreted or translated God with us. In Isaiah chapter 7, said a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son, and they would call his name God with us. And now he said, Jesus is going to be born. You're going to call him Jesus, which means the Savior. And he will also be called Emmanuel, God with us. The incarnation. He was coming to earth to be with us. Amazing. God with us. Joseph was a good listener. The angel appeared to Zacharias, and Zacharias questioned, how can I believe this? The angel appeared to Mary, and Mary didn't question what the angel promised, but she said, how is this going to work? And the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, and Joseph immediately understood and accepted it. Not that he was more spiritually minded than Mary, Mary had a personal experience that Joseph did not have. And Joseph already knew Mary was expecting. And now the angel explained what happened. It's easier when you hear about things on the back end, isn't it? Hindsight's always 20-20. But Mary got it on the front end. How could this be possible? Nothing like that's ever happened in the history of the world. And it hadn't. But it happened with Mary. And now Joseph knows, okay, she's with child. I know that. And now the Holy Spirit, this angel has told me what's going on, that that was the Holy Spirit working, and I can trust this, and I can believe this. And so he's a good listener. He hears what the angel says. He listens to the message. We have the completed revelation of God. Joseph did not. We know the end of the story. Joseph did not. But Joseph learned enough for him to get out of that dilemma. What do I do? Do I break it off publicly or privately? Do I protect myself or do I protect Mary? How do I handle this? And the angel said, marry her and trust God. And that's exactly what Joseph did. His dilemma was resolved. He could take care of Mary and do what was right because he was going to obey what the angel of the Lord told him to do. So verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, 
did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He listened to what the angel said. And Joseph was obedient. He was obedient. We know that he was trying to follow the Lord before this. We know that he was trying to honor the betrothal before this. He was obedient to the word of God. He was a man of immediate obedience. We used to teach our kids a song, and I think we've done it in the kids' choir here, I will obey right away, never asking why, never with a sigh, I will obey right away. I used to call those our propaganda songs, <laughs> trying to indoctrinate the kids, you know. I will obey right away. And, and Joseph obeyed right away. He had this dilemma. He'd been thinking probably for days, do I do what's right for Mary? Do I publicly do this? Uh, I'm a just man. I've got to do something, but what do I do? And the angel told him, hey, you take Mary to be your wife? And Joseph immediately did it. There was no hesitation. He didn't wake up in the morning saying, oh man, I had this dream and the angel told me what I should do. But if I do that, oh, he didn't think it through. At that point, he knew exactly what to do. He didn't have to debate. He obeyed what God told him to do. You know, we have people... Uh, have come to me at different times as a pastor for counseling, um, wanting to leave their spouse instead of work on their marriage, wanting to, um, you know, have God bless them living with their fiancé instead of getting married. Um, we have people who want God to bless their life even though they ignore the Word of God. And that happens often. Sometimes, sadly, even in our own lives. We love God's forgiveness and we want it desperately before we obey. And, and Joseph was a man who immediately obeyed. He didn't evaluate it. He didn't call a council. He didn't call his best friends, his mentors together and share with him. The angel gave me this insight. What do you think I should do? He didn't do any of that. He just did exactly what God told him to do. Now, in their culture, what do you think their neighbors thought about Joseph and Mary? They, quote, had to get married. That probably the community thought he had not been faithful. How could that affect his carpentry business? In their culture, it could have had people cancel orders, take their business somewhere else. But he did what was right because that's what God's word said to do. He did it right even though it could have hurt his business, even though it could have hindered his relationship with some of his family and some of his friends. He did exactly what God told him to do. And he did it immediately. And this is not an isolated incident in Joseph's life. He woke up 
He did as the angel of the Lord told him. He took Mary to be his wife, and they were married, and he awaited and didn't have any physical intimacy with her till after Jesus was born. And they went on to have at least half a dozen other kids, and we don't know what happened, whether Joseph was alive in the time of Christ, because they said he's the carpenter's son. They didn't say he's the son of the guy who used to be the carpenter. So maybe he was still alive and just not engaged in what was going on. Maybe he was at work when some of the stuff went on. Um, and he, but he, he obeyed. He took Mary in. He married her. They stayed together. Jesus was born, and he called his name Jesus, exactly as the angel had said. Look in chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 13. After the wise men had come to the house, they weren't at the manger scene. In fact, the manger scene is often misrepresented. They weren't. They were at the house where Jesus and the young or Jesus was a young child, and they presented gifts. If you look in verse eleven, they had come to the house. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And so they presented him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse thirteen. Now when. The wise men had departed. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. How many people do you think he knew in Egypt? Probably none. What arrangements did he have in advance for them to have a place to stay? None. He had a little money. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So he knew he could go. He could, but, but God provided, and then God commissioned, and he did it. He didn't wait for morning. He didn't take a couple days to get things in order, to let people know they'd have to wait on that order that they'd ordered from him for carpentry. The angel told him he got up in the night and they left in the night. Normally, in their culture, people traveled by day and not by night. They didn't have air-conditioned comfort and had lights. They fled in the night because the angel told them to and he obeyed right away. And that's not the end of the story. In chapter 2 and verse 19, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. He immediately obeyed. He didn't say, Oh, Lord, I got three months left on my lease. He just obeyed. He went and he did because Joseph was a just man because he was a thinker. He was a good listener, probably to Mary and Jesus, like he listened to the angel, and he was obedient. You can't live through the history of what Joseph lived through, the birth and life of the Son of God. You and I can't live through that history. But in our history, in our day, in our lives, 
You and I can be just. We can do what's right. We can be thinkers, uh, immersing ourselves in the Word of God and good listeners to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. And we can obey right away. Because that's what God would want to see in our lives. That's what God saw in Joseph's life. And that very well could be exactly the reason why God chose Joseph to be the guy the world would call the father of Jesus Christ. Would God choose you for a significant spiritual ministry because you're just, because you're a thinker, because you listen, because you obey? Would God choose you? Obviously, you can't have a perfect son. No one other than Joseph and Mary and my parents ever enjoyed that. <laughs> you can't have a perfect son. But you can be an obedient son or daughter of God right here, right now. We're going to sing a song um, take my life, lead me, Lord. Joseph didn't write this song, but he could have. It, it's a song about his life. He followed God's leading. He obeyed God. He put everything in his life secondary to what God wanted. And God richly blessed him because of it. And 2,000 years later, we can still talk about that amazing man named Joseph. Let's stand and sing.